following program is brought to you in living color on WTDR. I'm Tony Epstein. It's the Magical Mystery Tour. Join us as we dive into the heart of things, exploring new ideas and new ways of seeing and being in this wondrous, crazy world we share together. Lying on your back in the grass, you can't see a thing except for the clear blue sky, a few cotton wool clouds, Higher and higher in the great dome of the sky, filling it with song. Higher and higher, filling it with song. Filling it with song. They sound quite mad, don't they? It's happening. I can feel it. How would you explain it? It's beautiful. God, it's God. I say God. How do you like that? Why, it's preposterous. Thank you very much. Oh, there it goes. Okay. So those are the waveforms of our of our current lives. That's the waveform of our current life, exactly. Yeah. The title of a new show, Waveform of Our Current Life. It's like it sounds like a um a soap I used to watch as a kid, or I used to sneak watch. wasn't allowed to watch it, but but I I did it on the sly. The waves of our lives. Well, it was not the days of our lives that I was interested in. It was all my ch- all my children. What's the one with Luke and Laura? I never watched those things. Oh my God, Luke and Laura. That was an important chapter for many of us. Wow. Yeah, I think it was. I can't believe I forget what it what it, which one it was. But that was a great chapter. Yeah, I was brought up to think that was the Antichrist, you know. Huh. Somebody knows. Somebody's calling in with the answer. Ooh. I'm going with all my Interesting. Children. Interesting. Let's see how this works. Good morning. You're on the air. Hi. You're on the air. Oh, hi. I was just listening to you guys talking about um, radio stations and beds on tracks. And <laughs> and you concur, and you agree it's a great idea. Yeah, well, it made me think of this awesome book by Annie Dillard called The Mayflies, which is all about a person dying in Cape Cod. And they, <laughs> they have their big bed moved out onto the beach. Yeah, that's just, what we need. We all need that. that we all deserve and they that. Just stay there and they die. <laughs> and I was like, that's how I want to die. I want a nice bed on Cape Cod and people yeah. just come hang out with me on the beach. You know, that's funny because it, it, I was talking with somebody about childbirth the other day and it, it, we were talking about death and I was then remembering childbirth and thinking that I had all these great ideas about how I wanted it to go. All, you know, like a song list and, y- you know, the, 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 the pools and the baths and the music. And once it came, you know, once it was time, I just thought... The last thing I care about is a song list right now. And I wonder if death is also like that, that you just, at a certain point, you don't care if you're on the beach. Yeah, That's probably. my concern. I, I imagine hey, they're similar in that way. So who, who is so this? I'm calling you from my, my parents' living room in New York City. This is Serena. And I, I have to go because I'm going to go help them 
put in an AC unit. Hey, Thank I, you for calling, Serena. <laughs> hey, Serena, Thank I just want having me. Serena, I just want to say that you're. I think you're my favorite new programmer here. Oh, Tonio. <laughs> Mine too. Stop. Whoa. Stop it. Wow. Both of you. Yeah, you and Tonio are, are are vying for first position for well, me. Well, you need you need this kind of. Uh, supportive feedback being in New York City I think that's that's true because it's very easy to feel like you're just a loser <laughs> it, what do you mean in New York City you mean yeah and, yeah and New York City is just a microcosm for the greater world yeah <laughs> and also and also Serena when you when you 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 talked about um, the mayflies dying and it made me think of the movie the barbarians did you ever see that Ooh, oh, The Barbarians. You know where the guy... Mom, have you seen a movie called The Barbarians? No, it's uh, The Barbarians. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not about The Barbarians. No, it's Modern Barbarians? N um, it's, I don't remember how long. It's a, probably almost 20 years ago. Um, it's oh. a Canadian film. This guy is dying, and uh, he invites all all the important people in his life to come oh. visit him around his deathbed and they have these incredible conversations about everything it's just That's an cool. amazing amazing movie okay i'm gonna put it on my queue now on my my google list all right hey i, well, listen, I look nice forward to hearing to you, you on the air thanks next. for calling in Sir thanks for calling yeah. in Serena. <laughs> bye you guys have bye. fun bye, bye. <laughs> You know, the other thing that we were talking about in that conversation about death was the time. I mean, lim I know that limbo is a word that's used for the chapter after death, right? The, 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 the sort of deliverance period. Right, that's the English translation of Bardo. I Bardo, guess. Bardo, right. I'm sorry, Bardo. Okay, but there's a chapter, and I don't know if it has a name, but the chapter between when you know that you're going to die and, you do and, and death, that that is... I always wonder what happens to your, um, I mean, you may, you may believe that you are all set in your attitude about death and then, but what happens to your state of mind in that chapter? Be, because the thing is, no, you, you cannot, in the same way that you cannot know what happens after death, you cannot know what's, what happens with the certainty of pending death until it happens. But at least you're still able to talk about it. You mean when life, when real life happens? No, when you were, when you were, you were dying. That's what I mean. Like yeah. You, right, you have preconceived ideas about how you're going to yes, approach exactly. it. Yes, exactly. And then when life when shows it really, up. Exactly, exactly. Ev everything goes out the window kind right. of a thing? Right, Yeah. I can, yeah. And I feel like all of life is sort of preparing for that um, chapter. Oh, we're getting another call. Welcome, you're on the air. Are you there? Nope. Are you there? Huh. They, they didn't want to join us. I made the right connection, but they didn't want to join us. <laughs> <laughs> They realized that they were they couldn't sell anything. If you hit the button twice, do, does it hang up on them? Well, 
Sorry to be talking about buttons. No, we're talking about buttons. Buttons, buttons, buttons life, buttons. life is buttons. It is a serious... You know what? All Relationships 80% are buttons. 80% of adult life is taking things out and then putting them away. Do you... I mean, isn't that right? It's you take things out, you use them, and then you put them away again. And that is a lot. And it is similar to buttons. And in between that and buying things so you can take them out and putting them away is getting your buttons pushed getting and pushing other people's buttons. That's <laughs> exactly right. Or if you're a radio person, pushing buttons. Pushing buttons, many, and, many. And trying to drag people into your... Button world. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. Stays, sometimes it doesn't work. It's kind of like life. Yeah. Like when, like when you think you've got it all figured out. You just don't. It kind of slaps you upside the head and says, uh-uh, you're, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, too, that you think you know about, you know, the number of things that you think you figured out as a youth. And then you realize, and you have figured them out. In fact, intellectually, you do understand them. Absolutely. And then you get to be 31 and a half, and you realize, oh, now I know this, but, and I knew it before, but now I know it. And um, you don't know, You, you have not anticipated that you actually didn't know what you now know. And then when you turn 42, it's like... It's, it happens all over again. All over again. Yeah. In fact, there are days where you can have successive days where you realize that you had it all wrong yesterday. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> Usually you get a grace period. Like, I was wrong 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it softens it a little bit. Exactly. I I love the way that... I shouldn't say most of life, but a lot of life happens very gradually, so you don't get the rude awakening. But there are lots of um, just complete smack in the face of of reality showing up and completely like pulling the rug out out from under you or or hitting you upside the head. Yeah, I feel lately or this spring that I can't feel the color green the way I used to. You know, when the, the especially here in Vermont, we go from sort of we go from a black and white world. I mean, people would argue with that. Many people appreciate the subtle colors of winter better than I do. But when the green comes, it's just it's just a wash of color that we haven't had. And I do I I I I, this is my favorite time of year. But I don't I don't feel it as powerfully as I did maybe ten years ago. And I'm a little worried that the reason for that is. All, again, back to taking things out and putting them away. That, that, you know, the pie chart of my brain is filled up with taking things out and putting them away, and that I can't access green in the same way I did. You have a pie chart for a brain. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm using that as an example. It could be a different kind of a chart, but so pie chart. When you say you you don't feel green, it's not that you don't see green. I see it, but I can't. It doesn't create the kind of uh, magic. Uh, it does it's not transcendent in it, yeah. the same way right well right maybe maybe it's because the green is starting to happen but it hasn't popped yet you know how oh no no because every to me there there's every day is a slightly different quality of green yeah and so and every single chapter of that is thrilling to me um but again i say it's thrilling and it is but not uh, transcendent in the way that it has been before, and I don't know if that's because I'm well. Here's old, or what? What that is? Here's the uh, here's the double entendre uh, uh, entendre uh, perspective of that. You're effing jaded. 
That well, I think that is that is a word that does describe it. But I don't feel <laughs> that is the word. I mean, that's a negative word. I, it is. I think it's a. I think it's a. Um, it's a. I think it's, well, a weir- getting, it's a weariness. You're getting, you're getting a wee bit jaded. I weary. Think, is really weary. What it, where it's there. It's very similar. I but think. also, I think again, back to death. There's a closing sensorium. There's yeah. the. There's the. You know. There's a closing. You know, the my senses are closing down. I'm receding. Yeah. Another another way of saying is you're you're getting old. I'm getting old. Yeah. We're all getting old. Yeah. Even uh, even the young among us are getting old. They're just getting old a little slower. And they're lagging behind. Yeah, they're way. They're always going to be behind. They're oh, that's that's a funny thing. How they're yeah. always going to be behind, no matter how fast they try to catch up. They're always <laughs> going to be behind. Right. <laughs> and hopefully, they're not really trying to catch up. But I remember when I was young, you were trying to catch up. I actually wasn't, yeah. but everybody around me was trying. I st- I wanted to stay young. I had. That's probably the smartest instinct I ever had yeah. growing up was, was wanting to stay young. All the rest of my instincts were completely bonkers. Well, I think that we all have an essential age and or that you know, we stop at, at a certain point and some to people's essential age they only reach when they're 50. But my <laughs> essential age is 12. Ooh, I like to think of myself as 17 going on 3. Huh. What do you mean 17 going on 3? Because I feel like a teenager. Right. But, you know, I have my moments where I want to have a tantrum. Okay, but that just means you're sort of a a, a young seventeen. Yeah, uh, but you would that, say that, that your essential that, age is seventeen. That that is when you were your most, Tonio. Maybe, I feel it's like hard. twelve is my age. Interesting. So, what was it about being twelve that 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 anchors you? Um, I don't. I ju- I don't know. It's the. It's a. And it's, I'm going to give you a moment to think about it because okay. I want to invite listeners to call us at 802-454-7762. I've been remiss for not doing that. Again, that number is 802-454-7762. We're, we're just chewing the, uh, the shirt, you know? Chewing the shirt. Chewing the shirt. Effing around in the studio here today. And you're, you're welcome to join us. 802-454-7762. Give us a call. Give us a recipe. Yeah. Give me a chance to screw up the technology again. Yeah. While we... Uh, chew the shirt. Chew the shirt. I hope you washed it. I didn't. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. So, you, we were... I, we were talking about your your twelve My twelve year old twelve year old yeah what what is she like well oh look okay somebody's calling and we really got it this time ooh it's our station manager oh it's Lou yeah I think they're probably gonna spank me Lou are you there are you there do you want to spank me I. No, no. I just want to make it very clear that it was General Hospital. Oh my goodness, was, you're totally right. I. You know, it feels very... I, too, was inappropriately watching that at a too young age. And <laughs> Luke and Laura will forever be, you know, the, I don't know, epitome of what relationships should 
should be, be should not be but, but, but be. are delicious it was a delicious relationship yeah. and what was interesting about it is that he was so creepy looking but he was yeah, compelling well, he was compelling and creepy and she mm-hmm. was standard beautiful but also um you know so she, laura was just laura but luke was a creep but he was very compelling isn't that what what women yeah, want I, are, I, are bad some, men for, well, some, for some twisted reason? Uh, you know, I don't know about that, but I do know that at age, again, it might have been my 12-year-old self that was compelled by Luke and Laura. What about, Lou, you must have been yeah. a toddler. <laughs> I mean, no, no, I, I watched, I mean, remember, these are the soaps, and those actors are on for 50 years. That's true. Each, you know, and they get all the plastic surgery, so they look the same. And they as, die you know, and they come back. And they die and come back. That, I feel like, is a underused plot line. Yeah, I agree. In anything other than soaps. I mean, like, if, if, I mean, conventions that happen in reality TV some strange way. Like, oh, this, like, person, this person that you're following in reality TV somehow has this, like, they leave and they come back in a super dramatic way. But the thing is, is that no one ever leaves. These, like, plots just kind of sizzle. And, uh, but anyway, so yeah. I watched the 90s. But yeah. the, so the Luke and Laura of the 90s were... It wasn't the big uh, wedding, which you probably remember. Erica, oh, I do, I do. It was the it was the drama that came after, and there are multiple. You know, I, didn't they have a kid? I think you know. I, I was in the the you know the bad boy. Uh, you know, the the mobster that was in that show that came in the nineties. That was that was my general hospital. Um, yeah, I yeah. I think I had gone to high school by then. So, or I I, I, yeah. I had. I had so, but but yeah, no, my my chapter, there was a lot of glossy, I mean, the sort of Vaseline. You're looking at scenes through a sheen of Vaseline, and there's a lot of music, and a lot of looking <laughs> looking into the middle distance, a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I loved every mm-hmm. second of it. Oh, my God. If we keep talking about television, we're going to go the way of VPR, and, and we'll no longer, we'll become Central Vermont public, or no, Central Vermont community, and we'll disavow radio as... <laughs> You know what, and then it'll be like what we'll the we'll lose our noun. What, what the f happened to radio? And we'll exactly. we're, well, we'll be in the studio going, do we even exist? <laughs> well, here's here's the hard pivot I'm willing to make here. So first, I just wanted to name General Hospital because I felt duty bound. You yeah, know, yeah. again being probably trauma bound to the soap. Who knows? But uh, here's here's the hard pivot. I started my morning at six a.m. with my dog getting sprayed by a skunk, and Ooh. I want to crowdsource. To listeners out there, what are the best hacks for both helping the poor dog and also she, of course, bolted into the house. So the house now yeah. smells like a lovely, lovely, ripe shade of uh, a cute skunk. You're, um, a, you're in a no-fix so yeah. situ- no oh, gotcha. situation. I'm Essential afraid. oils. <laughs> Diffu- Essential oils. I've heard vinegar is another thing. Nothing yeah. will work. For your dog, you. I mean, it might work a little bit. For your dog, bathe it in tomato juice, or baking soda, or hydrogen Mm -hmm. peroxide. There's. I'm afraid that you're in for the long haul. And this is, you know, this is ancient memory for me. But if you, but if you have essential oils and a diffuser, or some method of diffusing, spraying, mixing Mm. it with water and spraying it all over the house on all the surfaces on your dog. Dogs don't like essential oils generally because they're too—they're very smelly and. Dogs it will ruin your experience of essential oils forever if you do that. No, uh, no, it, it actually won't. If you choose the right essential oil, if you choose the wrong essential oil, then yes, <laughs> undoubtedly, like skunk essential oil. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've also heard sunshine, but that doesn't help on the inside of a house, obviously. Oh. But outside, the irony is that it, you know you couldn't smell it, where it happened outside. Well, if your so. house, if everything in your house is on rails, then it'll then work. You, exactly. You have <laughs> no problem. I'm going to move my bed outside. That'll, that, that's how I'll solve tonight. I'll, we'll just move all our beds outside and you know have that lovely alfresca experience that you all were talking about earlier. So, yeah, I think you're only. Um, I think the only answer is tense. But I did, I actually had a personal experience in San Diego with a friend of a friend who had a, uh, uh-oh, we're getting another call, so let me see here. It better be a helper. So before I let, hi, before I let you on the air, I'm going to finish something. Um, some people had a family of skunks under their house, and they tried to get rid of them, and of course, that made the skunks really angry, and so they sprayed. This whole family sprayed skunk juice juice in the air, and the house was so bad. I remember, I went, I came to within ten feet of the front door. I was still standing outside, and they opened the door, and a wave of skunk hit me like a freight train. It was that bad. I mean, think of you your experience of smelling your dog, this is like a hundred times more intense. And so you should could you consider yourself lucky, Lou. That's the out, that's I was the message. Say, the best thing to tell someone in the middle of a of a, a skunk emergency. Say, it could be worse. <laughs> right. But out of compassion what I did was I gave them a a whole bottle of some essential oil and my own personal diffuser and I told them to set it up in the middle of their house, open up all their closets, and turn it on full blast, and leave it going for at least 24 hours. At least two months. No, 24 hours. They did it, and they came back the next day, and they said that all of the skunk was gone. I do not believe that story. This is what they told me. I didn't. Ex- I didn't go back to check it out. But this is what they they thanked me profusely. So I have no reason to doubt it. So anyway. We have another caller on the line. Are you still there? Oh, yes, I am. Well, uh, my name's Frank. I'm in Marsville, and I want to say what Tony was talking about with the tomato sauce. I um, <laughs> didn't have any when this exact same thing happened to me, but I had diced and uh, whole tomatoes in cans. Ooh. So my dog was sitting outside with me, and a skunk came up that I saw out of the periphery of my vision. And we had an old cat, and the dog and the cat grew up together, and the dog used to love to play with the cat. And you know how a dog goes down on its front forearms and just wags its tail wanting to play? Yeah. Well, I couldn't stop the dog in time from doing that. And the skunk shot out right in his face and i'm talking maybe three feet away i stopped the dog from going into the house and you and you poured diced tomatoes excuse excuse me you do you pour diced tomatoes on the dog i no i opened up all the cans and i smeared his whole head (laughs) smeared him with with that with with all those tomatoes because he was, the saliva was just dripping out of his mouth from the experience, and I knew it all went into his sinuses. Yeah. And oh, I just gosh. kept doing that as long as I had the tomatoes available until they all went on the ground. <laughs> we but, all, we, we um, all do yeah. have a lot of canned tomatoes. 
We, that it is a, a ready, a ready substance yeah. for us all. But tomato yeah. juice is easier because it's in a li- pre-liquefied yeah. form, and you can pour it on them, and you can rub it in, and you Diced can. Diced tomatoes are pretty liquidy. They are. They I are. think yeah, any but, tomatoes that but, are that are in the cabinet are probably going to be what's, <laughs> what's yes, the solution here. Exactly. This is a great but, idea because my I think the dog will also strangely be excited about it because she loves our compost. She loves sniffing uh, around the compost, and this will feel like. I'll just tell her I'm I'm putting the compost on you. It's your best day ever. Right. Yeah, but Tony was right. The tomatoes are more, um, it's more dispersed in the sauce. And I think mm. if people, even if they don't eat a spaghetti um, <laughs> in Vermont, it's worth it to have this in your medicine cabinet. And if you throw in some meatballs or sausages, the dog will, will be in heaven. <laughs> well, Agreed. yeah, that's afterwards. But well, anyhow, this is exactly I what I was that. hoping for. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> You have an inquisitive question, Tonio. Um, I didn't catch the show in the beginning, so I don't know the young lady that you have in the studio. The, the youngish, youngish, <laughs> I think is the operative and, word. The and young. I'm going to ask a personal question. Well, I would like to know how old you are. I'm 53. Oh, you're a baby. <laughs> the reason right, I'm youngish. saying this. The reason I'm saying this is because. I had come back this year to Vermont, and I also have a more subtle, um, not so excited uh, feeling, as you say, with the color green. Huh. Wow. But this morning, I have a beech tree that's vibrant now, if you look at the beech trees. And it brought me back to realizing how beautiful Vermont is as it transforms. Yeah. But I am older. I'm 74. But in November, I became 74. So what I'm doing this year is I'm ex- I am celebrating my 75th year. So I tell people I'm celebrating my 75th year instead of telling people I'm 74. And what I'm doing is reflecting on my, excuse me, past experiences, my past lifestyles, and I'm telling people, I'm saying hello and goodbye to different things in my life. And it makes me feel more centered and um, uh, let's say that equanimous state of a type of not on the negative side, of an indifference towards the highs and the lows in existence Mm -hmm. and coming to a very subtle place of what I would call joy instead of happy or sad. Mm -hmm. And I've had a great life, unbelievable for me. Um, And I'm just elated with letting go of... this doesn't have to do with the color green, but I feel it all has subtle. to do with the color green. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the yeah. color green so, is a metaphor for the for this whole process. <laughs> exactly, because if you can let go of of the of the low highs and lows of the color green, then you can let go of the highs and lows of everything in life, right? Exactly, and as we move in this direction, as we say, death which is a thing to be celebrated, I feel. And we're all processing it 
no matter if we're 20 or 50 or 70, if the sooner we're aware that this time is limited, and if we can look at the color green as it just bursts out, this is a metaphor for the way that we should be looking at all the things that we're engaged in in this way and the ability to transform them um, in the process. And I was listening, and I'll shut up after this, <laughs> but I heard a great thing because I used to uh, be a seller. Um, you cannot control the wind, but you can adjust your sails. And then I added onto it to reach your destination. So we don't have much blame, or we shouldn't have much blame for ourselves or for the external world. We should just realize the true nature of it and then proceed towards that joy which we're put on this earth for. I mean, why else are we here? We didn't evolve to this point to be miserable. So, and I think it's a great time of transformation and uh, I really appreciate you guys. And, you know, Tonio, uh, someday I'll chat with you. I'd like to chat with you someday about stuff in the future. All righty. I'm going to sign off. You guys have fun. Well, thank Bye. you and thank congratulations you. For, for that realization. Great. And, and yes, I have, I have been thinking about uh, inviting you on. So I'll, I will reach out to you and so we can do that. I'll do the same, Tonio. Thanks Bye for now. calling. Bye-bye. You bet. Is Lou still with us? I, I'm, I'm, I feel stuck. <laughs> that well I know, said, you're, you're in the Bardo. Yeah, she's I, in yeah. Radio Bardo land. Yeah, there, there uh, must be I decorum about, about, you know, the, the phone, the phone, de what is phone decorum here? Well, Lou is sometimes, sometimes it's called... I'm gonna I'm gonna create a new term. It's called radio rigor mortis, where you, where you're you, you're unable to to let go, and you're just well, it's, you're not just but stuck, but but you love being on the radio so much that that you just can't you can't you can't you can't, you can't let go. You just, no, so, it's so it's, Lou. No, it, for me, I was back. stuck in an Emily Post moment. I was stuck in an Emily Post moment. Right, exactly. Do I just ghost and hang up? That's exactly I, what I was, that's, ex yes. And especially since that caller took us to such a deep moment, and I was talking about skunky dogs. I mean, I just feel... Yeah, how do you hang up on like, that, right? How, yeah, how do I hang up on that? So I will I will say thank everyone for the uh, the tips and the tomato juice. I'm going to go look for cans of tomatoes now in my closet and... Uh, and thank you both for making wait, wait, this fun radio this morning. Wait, yeah. bef yeah. one last thing I would like to say live here on the radio while you are on the phone is just want to say to the entire community of people listening that how lucky we are that Lou is with us. It's it, She's remarkable. And we were very, this place is more dynamic and exciting than I remember in a long time. And I'm just really grateful. And I'll second Gosh. that too. Shucks, you too. Thank you very much. It takes it takes a community to do community radio, so I'm just happy to be part of it. Thank you. And you're good at helping to facilitate the community aspect of that, the community dynamics of that. Yeah, which Except is everything. Except for the skunk population. Except but for the skunks. For skunk. You're really yeah. you're you're not batting a thousand with skunks. 
and I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> and you're also doing the uh, the difficult work of taking on the the burden of the skunk for the rest of us. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> and that's why we pay you the big bucks. This is why I get the big bucks, and I'm going to spend it all on tomatoes. So <laughs> have a great rest of the morning, y'all. Thanks. Thanks you too. Right. Bye bye. Well, so, 802-454-7762, hopefully you, don't, you have something other than skunk crises to, to talk about. Yeah. But we're here, and we're talking about anything, you know, whatever, whatever comes, to, comes to us. So, yeah. So, with I, all that... I love that you're sort of in the position of a question asker, so I, I can sit back and, 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 uh, and, and wait well, okay. Since since you're putting me in this situation, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with my best shot, <laughs> Pat Benatar style. And uh, so, you you of course are this Vermont celebrity. I mean, you're you're like top rung celebrity. I mean, granted, Vermont is not exactly like Hollywood or New York City, but hey, you are an effing celebrity. <laughs> You're a hot shot. You, with your rumble strip work, I mean, you do incredible stuff. I know, I know how you, I know you're very humble and, and actually terrified to, to, I mean, I love that thing in, in, in the seven days article where you said you're, you, 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 when you're, you know, when you're going to visit somebody that you're going to interview, that you're so nervous that you hope that they'll cancel on you, so you, so you can yeah. escape the every time the trauma of having to talk to them. Yeah. But considering the amazing thing that you create out of those conversations, it's like I, I used to experience terror. I st- actually, I still. I still get really nervous before an interview. Yeah, yeah. Especially with with a. Are you nervous right now? No, <laughs> because I'm with you. I, you're my you're my friend. I feel totally comfortable with you. I I'm think a, friends are the hardest. Really, I'm yeah. a little bit nervous, but actually, I have so much experience on the air. You know, totally screwing everything up. So, um, that's not what makes me nervous. What makes me really nervous is when I'm interviewing somebody whose work I really admire and I'm trying to connect with them. Yeah. I'm 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 really afraid that I'm going to fall flat on my face with them and they're going to think I'm an idiot and that I don't get what they're what they're doing when I put so much effort into reading them and and really deeply uh grokking what they're what they're doing. Are you, are you talking about are, are, uh, people who are expert in one way or another or experts yeah. in something? So yeah. authors of books about, yeah. you know, whales exactly. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I don't know. I feel like the beauty of being, of interviewing an expert is that the people who are listening are not expert. And so you are their translator. So you can't, if you show up an expert, then you're not doing service to the people who are going to be listening. So I always feel like the dumber the question, you know, I mean, my mom doesn't know anything about whales. So, and I'm making a show about whales with this whale expert. I have to make something that my mother can enjoy. I had this compulsion to go really deep into these kind of esoteric conversations with these people. So, um, 
the idea of asking really dumb questions well not dumb doesn't doesn't not doesn't dumb. really jive for me but but that's my problem okay here's the here's your the, here's approach the, actually makes a lot of sense because some people say there are no stupid questions oh there are and yeah obviously but one thing i've actually discovered is sometimes when i ask a quote unquote stupid question i will get a fantastic answer oh, you know what a great question is what really <laughs> that's a great that is a great question or, huh huh that's a really good question yeah. too yeah or, also another great question is just oh i that's like that one, too. one that's a really good one <laughs> and if you do that if you use that one very often what happens next is going to be very surprising because there is a slight discomfort that comes with yeah but i have to say in in the last interview i did well it's not actually the last interview i did but it's the interview that i'm currently editing that approach actually doesn't work because you know how they say that the first person who opens their mouth loses well this this woman who i was interviewed she didn't respond to my well i think the thing is that you have to establish trust I think that the, the initially, you, you know, if, if, or at least in my case, I'm holding a microphone and I'm putting it in somebody's face. So that's a big ask. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a vulnerable circumstance. So the job is to, is to help that person feel comfortable. Absolutely. And that can be an acting job for me because I'm nervous, too. But so I'm holding sort of, I'm sort of... Um, uh, holding on to them or holding hands with them initially um but then there comes a point and you can it's a visceral change where it's it's like the lights uh turn on and there's a we're in another place suddenly and the microphone is there but the connection has been made and there is there's trust well, what they know is that i'm interested mm -hmm. and when that has been established then you can go anywhere from there you can be looking in another direction i mean sometimes to be looking right at a person feels unnatural so if but i wouldn't look away from somebody until we had established a rapport but then because when you're looking away like when you're driving in the car with somebody and you're both looking in the same direction that has a particular sound to it mm -hmm. it it sounds like um well isn't that the male approach you know the 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 archetypal male approach where men sit next to each other and they look forward when they talk compared to women who tend to turn toward each other and face this is kind of a a, a stereotypical general generalization of of um communication via gender but uh um well i don't know about looking but, but, but i they, love yeah, they, i love what you're what you're saying because th that's actually one of the things that i instinctively do with my guests is i will say things to make them feel welcome and comfortable and also to make them feel like they've already been heard even before we start the conversation like something to do with like i loved your book and I got this or it affected me in this way and and I'm really excited to to dive into this with you and there's this wonderful photograph in that seven days article where you're sitting on like a, a window seat oh yeah yeah with Jesse with with your guests and you're you're literally like one or two feet away 
like a foot away from them, you've got your recorder with your microphone in your you're holding your recorder in one hand, the microphone in the other. Mm-hmm. You've got your headphones on, mm-hmm. and you're sitting really close to this person, and you're looking at them with rapt attention. And I just love that photograph. Because it's, you know, in this audio world, we don't see how it this works. thing is working, how right. it works, or how it's happening. Right. And that just created this this so such an intimate personal perspective of what's going on and i just found that to be so true because that's how i feel when i'm doing these conversations even though i'm doing almost all of my interviews over i used to do them over the telephone and now i'm doing them over zoom right. with no video yeah yeah i couldn't that the zoom video interview sounds like a horror show to me and yet i still feel that level of intimacy but that photograph you know was worth a, at least a, a million words <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I just, well it's a it's a it's there is no more i i don't know remarkable circumstance than an interview I mean, I think. I well, it's a, it's a conversation, too, because your way of doing it, it's very conversational. Yeah, I don't talk. All, I, I, it is, it's funny. I mean, that's, a, I don't. Well, you're, I don't, you're I don't inviting know. them to be conversational yeah. rather than being like an academic. Who, well, there are two things that are happening right here, right now between us, right? There's, we're talking about interviewing. We could be talking about oranges or whales whales but where there's also the dynamic between us and that's also happening and the people who are listening to us are hearing both and they're not concentrating on the dynamic between us but it is 50 percent of what they're experiencing so 50 percent of what it because it's it, it audio requires that you take it in and use your and meet it yourself meet it in your, with your imagination somehow and it's but not we're just also, the words There's we're we're also very very smart we can hear we're, we're human and we're we're human we're social creatures so we can hear the dynamic between two people and exactly. that is part it's, for me it's 50 percent of what i'm experiencing when i'm listening to something right, it's beyond just the words yeah 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 so that in a in an interview it's as much about dynamic between people as it is about content i mean that's not always true if i'm doing an interview with somebody who and it's just it's very technical or or there isn't that interesting dynamic it can be a wonderful interview about you know legos or whatever it is we're talking about it can be the content is enough um but my favorite audio accounts for both yeah i i completely agree that's the that's where i get my joy from doing it is, is the connection it's you're talking about the the actual connection, the rapport that that magically occurs in that situation. So, welcome. You're on the air. I wonder how you both pick people to interview. Hmm. Could you repeat that question? Sure. I wonder how you pick people that you're going to interview. It's a great question. And I don't have a good answer for it, but it's a it's a it's a number of different things. If there's something I'm I'm neurotic about, like my age, for instance, when I would turn fifty, I I couldn't figure out what that was supposed to 
mean so i i i asked i I wondered how well how do i make a show about that and i went out and interviewed a bunch of people of different ages and we talked about age and then i also sang total eclipse of the heart which is was for some reason an important part of that experience of making a show about age but so it could be something i'm i'm thinking about that i want to understand better and then i go find a person who can talk about that it could be somebody that um, somebody has told me you should interview this person, though that is not uh, a surefire way. But in this state, what's beautiful is you never run out of people to talk with, and one person leads to another person leads to another person. It's just this long chain. And then sometimes if I can't think of what to do and I'm, I'm feeling depressed and um, certain that my, my, my interviewing career is over, then I force myself to go out with a recorder and interview strangers on the street, which I, I hate doing because it's really scary. But then, but I am always remind, I'm always struck by, uh, I, I am at once again excited about humanity after a day like that. It's exhausting and, and terrifying, but in, invariably great conversations happen. And it's amazing when you survive at, at the it, end it, of that You're day. still alive. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, well, I want to be interviewed someday by somebody. <laughs> so who are you? And, and tell, us, tell us a wee bit about the magic of what a conversation with you might be like. I think that's kind of what's happening right now. Yeah. It's just that we have a, a kind of a poor connection with you technically, but we can hear what you're saying. So, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who, what's your name? My name is Stacy, and I live in Warsaw. And I have kind of an interesting um, issue. I've been trying to learn more about the land that I live on because it seems to be a high amount of sad things that have happened on this road that I live on. And one of them had to do with my son who chose to leave the planet. And that seems to be a lot of that on this stretch of road where I live, and I'm trying to understand how land, you know, may have held energy from past experiences. Um, so I'm trying to learn more about that, and just thinking about perhaps the indigenous people that lived here a long time ago, um, and what might have happened here. I can't find the information on that, so I'm just wondering if maybe... I, if I were you, I'd go to the... That's a fascinating... I mean, I, I, if, if I were... I would go to the library and ask the librarian okay. how, where to begin to search for such a thing, or I would just spend a whole night lying in bed Googling um, on the subject. I would, what would you do I if have. you wanted to talk with people about that? Well, actually... Um, I did an interview recently. It hasn't aired yet. I haven't even edited it yet, but it'll happen in a two or three within the next couple of weeks. Who she's an empathic psychic, so she works with people, but she also works with land. So oh wow! And the book. I'm trying to think if the book has come out yet. I think the book will be coming out next week. And the title is Confident Empath, Confident Empath by Suzanne Worthley. And I for you, with this issue, I highly recommend that you grab that book 
buy it, steal it, whatever, and read it, and and you might you might get some insight into what you're what you're uh, looking for. And there's, well, there's yeah, a, there's, there's no coincidences. I wasn't going to call, and I had you know and hot about it, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> And so, you know, talk about serendipity or synchronicity or whatever. <laughs> and there's there's another new programmer named Stephanie Lingenfelder who might be a good person for you to talk to about this, who might have some thoughts or opinions about this in relation to what you're, you're interested okay. in. And I'm trying to remember when her show is. I think her show... I think she's Monday, Monday Mo- morning. Yes, it is Monday morning. So, um, yeah, call her up this Monday morning or reach out to her if you have some other way of, of connecting with her and see if she's interested in having a conversation with you about this. I suspect she would. And, okay. And uh, thanks for calling. Can you just tell me the name of the book and the author again? I just found a pen. Confident Empath. Confident Empath, okay. Suzanne Worthley. Okay. And you're and she's gonna be on in a couple weeks? Yep. Within yeah, within the next two or three weeks. Alright, cool. Well thank you both. I, I love both of your shows. I listen to both of them and I appreciate your work. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Good luck. Yeah, good luck and, and I was just going to say, don't worry about getting older. I just turned 67, and I'm kind of over it. Like, I don't care anymore. It's like it's not a big deal once you get past a few years. Oh, my God. You sound <laughs> you sound like a like a child, almost. I, I know. I hear that a lot. I get that, too. <laughs> I get that, too. <laughs> Even though I'm three and actually sound my age. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you both sound great, so. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much for the information. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 My stomach is rumbling. It's really embarrassing. Is it like rumble strip rumbling? It is. It's exactly what it is. (laughs) What's going on in there? Are you hungry or something? Yeah, I don't ever... I don't usually eat till around 11. Oh, I don't... I usually don't eat till like 1 or 2 or 3. Yeah. So what's going on? Are you having radio? No, I'm just hungry, and I will eat after our... I should... I was running late this morning. I was going to stop in at Bohemian and pick up some treats for us, but uh, I, I was running late. As, as you noticed, since you got here before I did. I did. <laughs> I wanted to get an A. <laughs> you got an A, and I got an <laughs> F. But I was here in time to do the show. Yeah, so, you were. So it's not a total F. No. F minus. <laughs> it's an F plus. F oh, that's right, F yeah. plus. <laughs> I was boy, F minus that F minus would be a rough a rough day. <laughs> Did you ever get an F? I'm not sure if I've ever gotten an F. I've gotten lots of incompletes. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you when you basically F off the thing. Right. <laughs> You know, I love f. I love, I love incompletes because you know you preemptively f off the thing before you get an f. It's yeah. kind of like it's preempting the f. I quit. You can't fire me. I you can't, right. You can't fire me. I quit. Yeah, it's like yeah. that. But in school, 
Yeah. You know, you're telling your teacher off, which is tremendous satisfaction if you have the balls to do it. Yeah. Boy, I don't even remember school. That was a long time ago. It's kind of like the color green. Yeah. Except less pleasant, the memory. I was yeah. good in school, though. I was pretty good. I had a, I had a good school, um, a good approach. Yeah? A good relationship. Yeah? Yeah. How so? I don't know. I just... Uh, Did you enjoy it? Yeah. I think... I didn't... Yeah. I mean, I think I was, I was, I was, I was nervous. I think I was a inherent... I mean, I am sort of inherently neurotic. And so there was that. But you're, you're inherently neurotic in a really wonderful way. And speaking of neurotic, this is WGDR Plainfield, WGDH Hardwick, Central Vermont Neurotic... Ra- I mean, Central Vermont Community Radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the world of extroverted introverts. That's what I think about radio, maybe, that people who, who want to do this are, are introverts by nature, but they can do extroversion, and they thrill to periodic extroversion but they are introverts i love the way you said that it's sort of like in the midst of this this kind of catastrophic and claustrophobic introversion there are these wild impulses of extroversion that that you can't repress or hopefully you find an outlet yeah that doesn't totally crucify you yeah in the public eye yeah, yeah, or that you can recede from, and no yeah. one will know. I mean, it's not a it's not a visual thing either. So you yeah. can you can, which you is can why recede. I love radio so yeah. much because nobody can see me. Yeah, because I I've a, I can't even stand looking at myself in the mirror. I hear a lot of people have that problem. Huh? It's there's something kind of frightening and terrifying about it. It's like being reminded that you're stuck with this person forever. Yeah. And you'll never get to see the back of you. That's true. It's like at least if you could see the back of you, there's the hope that you won't have to... See the front of you anymore? And not have to be with yourself forever. Be stuck with yourself forever. It's like when you see someone walking away, but you never get to see yourself walk away. Yeah. You just have to find some magical way like Frank did of kind of falling in love with yourself and your life which I've actually started to do in recent years um, which is wonderful considering how much um, I had the opposite relationship with myself and my life I don't feel that I don't feel that I'm falling in love with myself as I get older well I, I haven't been falling in love with myself much more recently, but I did go through a phase where I was I was kind of discovering a much better relationship with myself. Now, now it's more like the the highs and lows are are kind of evening out the way Frank described. So that um, no, I wasn't falling in love with myself. I was just reflecting on things in my life and having a greater appreciation for things like like the really horrible events of my life. I would look back on and think oh yeah of course or yeah i understand that or the person who who betrayed me or did something that i thought was horrible i now look back 
upon them with great fondness, thinking, oh my God, what they were going through, that they would do something like that to me, or that they would feel the need to behave in that way, or, or that they were compulsively dr- driven to be that way. It's like, then I can reflect upon the times that I, you know, was completely lost and out of my mind and, and all those things. And somehow or other, having this sense of, yeah, that all makes sense now, even though most of my life, nothing made sense. It, it all seemed like random chaos, which is, I think, the way our society basically programs us to see everything, that it's like, it's me against the world and the world against me kind of thing. And I don't know. Yeah, I you know it, it it catches. I I have felt in in recent years that I'm I'm surprised at the realization that I know know some things now. That you you know I, I didn't I never have assumed that I knew much. Or of, you have you know how to deal with things. Yeah, but it, that's a surprise. You think my goodness yeah. that happened. Well, wonder that wonder when that happened that yeah. I suddenly am better adjusted oh than my I God, was. I handled that really well. Y- yeah, or I don't. I um yeah that the that the that the the ups and downs are storm systems instead of you don't get too attached to those. But again, I. F- you know, it's is that the closing sensorium or is that um, wisdom? I don't know. I don't know. It might be a, that that sort of mild sense of jadedness where you've oh yeah, I've been through that so many times and I and somehow or other I've always survived. So I guess it's not that big of a deal anymore. Yeah, yeah. I I have I have not. I am looking for ways to look forward to aging, and I'm not. I'm coming up short. At the moment, <laughs> and you're only fifty three. But I mean, that's yes. The job is to figure out how do I how do I proceed here. What is the you know? You get to a certain point where you're no longer um, trying to. You're not striving in the same way, or you're not trying to arrive anywhere. I I am not. I'm on perhaps the top of my bell curve, or maybe slightly on the other side of my bell curve. And you live a whole first part of the life thinking. It's all going to happen for me. I'm, I'm heading in the right direction. You know, and then you're just not on that. You're not moving. You're not go, trying to get anywhere anymore. And so what is the motor? And it changes. That is such a beautiful way of looking at it. Yeah, because if you're thinking in terms of where you're going, obviously it's into the grave, so to speak. So, <laughs> yeah. And... um yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the soundtrack, the soundtrack has changed or there isn't one anymore which is, you know. Well, it sounds like you have a little soundtrack. Well, I'm yeah. saying that that was my soundtrack. Well, it was. Right. But not I have a million versions of that song. Really? Yeah. So what would you like you, the soundtrack of your life to be? I don't know. Since I don't, that's, that's no the point. longer I have, it. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Well, and I am at the stage in my life where I really um, or at a stage, I don't know. I don't know which stage this is, but the but but I am more and more compelled to look at birds. Oh, and that birds. I never, you know, I I, I always felt a little guilty about it, but and I'm curious about most everything. But I just birds. I couldn't get there with birds. wasn't interested. And in the last three years or so, I I I I could pretty much just watch birds all day. What do they do for you? And is there 
purpose in my sitting and watching? There is. There's something purposeful about watching birds. Well, what do they, I don't, I don't what do know do what it is. You? It's actually feel? a brain state. It's actually what it does to... Um, it's a weird liminal state that yeah. they create in my brain yeah. um, that feels good. Yeah. Yeah. I can, so it is yeah. moving into one's observational years, perhaps. I, th- I think what it is, is you're becoming more sensitive to your own inner state of being and that you're now looking at birds and you're going oh. or I'm caring less about my inner state maybe that's the thing it's less it's just more more and more less and less about me more and more less and less about me I like that I'm going to try that on and we should start a band called more that more and more less and less, less and about less me about me <laughs> what and we just don't play songs it, I was going to say, what <laughs> instrument do you want to play? <laughs> I don't want to play the flute. Okay. Well, I never learned any instruments, so I guess really? it doesn't matter what I play. That surprises me. I, th- well, I, I've actually, I, I got to play organ, you know, pump organ. Twice in, two points in my life, we had a, you know, an, an ancient foot pedal pump organ. So I learned, I learned to read music and I just screwed around on it. But I never, I didn't, we didn't have it long enough. I didn't live in any one place long enough with such an instrument to really learn it. Yeah. So, and, and basically, most of my life has been an incomplete. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Which, again, we is are better, really getting to it. Here. Really better than an F minus. Well, you know, here's the thing with that. There's a, I've lived forever with a fear of doing my best. And maybe that's what you're talking about. Fear of doing your best. Well, yeah, that there's some or fear it, of not you, doing your best. No, fear of, of of fear fear of trying to do one's best is you know that there is something inherently dangerous about striving. I suppose because you're then accountable well, and you're not, and it's uh, it didn't turn out to be all that great. Well, so that took me till very, very, very uh, until I until I had a kid. In fact, it was the kid that changed everything. Well, okay, so I I got to find out more about this because right now you you know Erica Heilman, Rumble Street, Vermont. You're creating these masterful gems, and after each one. Like for me, no matter what I accomplish, no matter how often I do what I consider to be a good interview, within a, a few days, I feel like I have nothing to fall back on. And well, I think I'm that's an the, ego in, problem. In I the think that's of despair I think because that, I have to, I have to, I have to recreate something right. of value again. Right. So, tell me about that that experience that you were just describing well and it's, a, it's back to gdr was i was just i had a my son henry um i don't know how old he was but it occurred to me i was working as a private investigator so i was doing about half of what i like to do which is the interview part but it wasn't i was it was always i was building i was helping lawyers build a case for some something else so i liked the work but i also knew that on some fundamental level it was a cop-out and that I wasn't making something, and I, 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 I felt chronic disappointment in myself. And when I had Henry, uh, at a certain point I realized, oh, he's going to grow up watching me be disappointed. <laughs> or watching me n- be disappointed in myself. And I said, well, I c-, and, and I thought, that's beyond, I can't do that. I have to be a better example. Uh, he needs to see me failing and trying and succeeding and then failing. And so... Then 
I, I just it was like a you know that little tiny it was a little tiny voice that has this I think it's like a four year old voice it's like hey how about you start a show GDR that's I, I didn't do it very well but that's sort of what it sounded like and it was just such a dumb obvious suggestion it was like of, of course you should do that you have a community radio station and a, and a deep hankering desire and that's but yes the point was that I wanted to try as hard as I could. I wanted to to take I wanted to uh take risks and to make something as good as I could and um and also then it it becomes less about you and it becomes more about you joining something that's bigger than yourself so it's not just about you it's about serving something bigger than you and so it was a safer place than I thought it might be in the end but it took me till I was I don't know 40 to figure it out or 30 something that's pretty early in life to figure that out I'm I'm envious or I'm I am impressed. Well, you do the same thing. I mean, you're describing the arc of despair, the arc of despair, which is inevitable after the launching of something, which I think has is an ego problem that one just has to manage, which is that, you know, nobody's clapping when you do a show. Nobody's waiting outside the studio door saying, that was great. (laughs) So there's this weird hole that you can't fill for a while. And then you realize, well, I just have to, that it, it is really finally about the process of making it that is the destination and you just start over and you do it again well actually back in the days when i was doing the show live i would go to the co-op and go shopping after the show and i would inevitably run into at least not always but one or two people who would say i heard your show today and i loved it and i would be like well that's oh my god and i'm i'm catapulted up on cloud nine right and then within a couple of days i'm crashing back to the ground because i'm like the double impact of wow that didn't last long yeah and and now i have to create something else you're only ever as good as the last thing you did exactly yeah i know it's awful it's it's awful perpetual failure it's all it's awful it's essentially perpetual failure it is perpetual failure waiting to happen yeah it's all always and it's pretty much 80 percent um confusion and despair yeah in the making of anything seems like 80 percent confusion and then you get a little tiny (laughs) bit at the end like oh my god i think i understand what this is but it's pretty it's pretty horrible until that time (laughs) yeah so looking reflecting back on your son henry do you think what do you think he got from you like i don't know did he escape your fear of of experiencing you your disappointment i don't know i don't know i think that remains to be seen mm-hmm. i mean he's in this i think that he would like to, i don't i don't know i think he wonders why or he has said as much he wonders why i'm not more successful that <laughs> in what way <laughs> well, in what way i mean monetarily I think, yeah i think he wonders you know if you're doing so well why don't you have a staff and i was like henry can a you imagine staff? me with a with an oh employee that would be a disaster <laughs> but he yeah i think that he wonders why i'm well, not well you're more supposed organized. to start out with volunteers <laughs> i can't even Who handle can tell that you to F i can't even handle that <laughs> so yeah i think that he wonders why my life is not more um uh organized and more um obviously uh successful financially and um <laughs> yeah i mean i i'm just I, it, it i don't know i think but but i also i gotta you know he's also a remarkable pe- person and he's deeply different from me and on his own ride um but 
I do know that he didn't grow up watching me just be disappointed. And for that, I'm grateful. So you were successful. Yeah, I was a raging success on that front. Awesome. Yeah. Good for you. And good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Someday. We'll see. We'll, <laughs> we'll see how that shuffles out. Sugar's off. Sugar's off. I've never heard that one. Oh, that's a great expression. Great expression. Yeah, over my expression. Sugar's huh? off. Sugar's off? Sugar's off what? You know, boiling sap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 got that. I don't know where you're from right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to doubt myself. <laughs> That's the street, the New York City street urchin oh, all of a sudden fantastic. finding himself in the backwoods of Vermont. I like that. Yeah. Is that where you grew up? No, yeah. you grew up here. No, I, I grew up in on the streets of New York City. Really? Manhattan. We lower. had a whole hour and a half to talk about that. We didn't talk about it. Well, we can we can do it again. Yeah, I'd yeah, like we to can do turn that. the tables. I would like to do that. That sounds fun. Okay. Well, you you would What's be the What's the soundtrack? One. If you had to sing oh a short God. song about your childhood or a, qua- a certain aspect of your childhood, what would it be? It would be a f- it would be one of those would be a three, ballad? It would be a three album, three CD set or three uh-huh. three three you know, three disc, three, three vinyl disc, yeah. set because um, I have a lot of soundtracks to my life. What's the at different points? What is a what is a so you're walking down the street? It's a good day. It's a good day. What's the ballad that's coming through? Not not somebody else's ballad. Your ballad. My ballad. I've already given you my ballad. Well, I can only give you what pops into my mind okay. at, at random moments, which is the way my brain works because I have Swiss cheese mind. Okay. Things fly in and out. When you asked me that, at that moment, I thought of that song, Summer Breeze. You know? I need a, you to sing it a little sing bit. Sing a few bars. Yeah. I, I'm terrified of... It's fine. Of, you just give, lay it on us. Summer Breeze makes me feel fine. Which, which is with a jasmine in my Exactly. Mind. Exactly. Which was, which was not a prevalent it's a great experience song. that I had growing up as a child on the streets of New York City because of the insanity of my family life, particularly my mother. So I was, I was routinely getting psychologically and emotionally traumatized on a weekly basis because I would go stay with her for the weekend. So Summer Breeze was not, was not, not, happening. not happening. But on a beautiful day, walking out on the street in between you know, those episodes. Yeah, Summer um, Breeze right summer there. Summer Breeze. Right. And what the hell... I was listening to music, and, and music had a profound effect on me, at least for the moment. Like, um, like when I was living in Spain, I think the very first song, pop song, that I was conscious of at the age of eight was I'll Be There. Remember that one? I'll be there. do 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 I've never been able to remember words to songs, but we got the idea there. Exactly. I'm terrible with words. All the words that I've come up, not all of them, but at least half the words are completely wrong. My sister, when she has a, my sister's a really put together person, but whenever she walks into a pharmacy, it's like she becomes a different person and she starts whatever, you know. I'll be there. She's walking down the hall of the pharmacy. She starts singing whatever's piping through the ceiling at full volume, and she's not even aware she's doing it. Wow. 
It's beautiful. She should walk around life with a shower curtain around her. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So you lived in Spain? Yeah, for a year. And that was actually the happiest year of my life. How old were you? When I was a child, eight and nine, because my mother was over here in this country. And I didn't have to see her for a year. I didn't have to see her or hear her. I didn't have a single conversation with her for a year. It was was effing, mother effing paradise on (laughs) earth. It was incredible. Was there a song? A a song that that you associate with that year? No, because, again, I was... I was young, and my very first song that I was consciously aware of being swept away with by was I'll Be There. I'll Be There. Before that, I didn't, I was unaware. Like, when the Beatles happened, I was a kid with a Beatles haircut. Right. And people would point at me and say, he's a Beatle. (laughs) And I would turn around, because I didn't know what it was, and I would give them the finger. Wow. Well, that's a Beatle thing. Maybe, no, it's, I was thinking maybe that was sort of a Beatle thing to do, but they don't that's seem like that kind of... That's more of a Rolling Stones yeah, exactly, kind of thing to do. exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I was too young to even know who the Beatles were at that point. I was like five years old. That five or six when the Beatles first, you know, when the girls were screaming. Something like that. Six or seven, yeah. I always had really embarrassing taste in music that I... It took me till I was, you know, 50 to admit how much I loved Total... Eclipse of the Heart, and it, I mean, I it took that long. It really took me that long to just fess up, and I I also by that time knew that in fact everybody loves that song. But it took me that Except long. For me. To, I don't. I don't even ha- know. Well, you would love it if you heard it. Oh, okay. I mean, I have songs that are the soundtrack to my longing. What 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 is one of those? Do you remember the Carpenter song? I, I, I you don't even have to say it. I do remember it. What is it? I don't, it's the one, you know. Um, I know all of them. You know, angels putting starlight in your hair. And, oh, jeez. Uh, I'm, I'm remembering the, the title, but it, it was this long because I felt like I was completely unseen and that nobody liked me. I was just a complete wreck and I was, you know, dirt on the ground and nobody would ever be interested in me in any way and this is a song about how everybody loves this person because they've been imbued with like angel dust and so whenever oh. somebody encounters them they think oh, they're oh gosh how can they like not remember angry. yeah callers help us with this Four f- 802-454-7762. We've got about seven minutes left. I mean, the elegant thing here is if we could go out on one of these songs. I My know. preference would be Total Eclipse of the Heart, but I don't know how to do that. I'll work on it if you can hold down the fort. No, I cannot monologue. I cannot do it. Well, I'm here. I'll oh, okay. All right. Okay. But you have to start something. Well, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I better not do this because it'll screw everything. Yeah, up. It'll, break, be, it'll break. It'll yeah, break our vibe. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Yeah, but People listeners, if you know the song, you sing it. In fact, why don't you call us and, and sing, sing it? it? Yeah, the the Carpenter song. Since we can't remember the the name of that one, or Total Eclipse, if you if you want. Yeah, I always want to hear it. I used to just you know yearning. It was a song of yearning. Yeah, 
was, I was 16 when that song came out. It was just a yearning song. But I had to hide it because I knew that it was a deeply uncool song to, uh, to identify to with. Identify with. Uh-huh. Yeah, for me, that Carpenter song was like that. I th- since I was still living in New York City, I must have been around like 10 or 11 when... Uh, after, this was after coming back from Spain and being reimmersed in the, the utter catastrophic disappointment of being alive, you know, in, within, you know, the, the insanity of... You mean back with your mother? Back... Is that what you mean? Yeah, having my mother on weekends <laughs> instead of her having me on weekends. Right. Anyway... Did you, how, could you, could you, I mean, the nice thing about New York City is there's always the D train. I mean, you, you can. For me, it was the F train. There's a train. Yeah. Where in New York City, whereas if you are visiting your mother in Eden, Vermont, there's not an F train. So there's no getting out. I generally walked because we, I did a lot of walking. When actually, no, actually when I was in school, we used to get these uh, trans- mass trans- transit passes. Um, you get a month, a month-long transit pass for fifty cents for, wow. for kids, you know, students, and that was amazing. So I could take the bus and the subway. So I did do that as well. But I, I, I liked walking. I, I walked around the city a lot, even but though it was kind of dangerous. But you can, you have somewhere to go. Oh yeah. And that's what is hard if you're in deep. I mean, there's the woods in deep rural Vermont, but that there is a pressure cooker aspect to living in a difficult circumstance far, far away without a license and no ability to, to leave. So it seems to me that that's, I wonder if Is that if the way you're describing Vermont? Yeah, I mean, some parts of, you know, if if you're in a difficult domestic circumstance oh, yeah. in deep rural play, in a deep yeah. rural place, that can be hard to escape from. Well, no, you can walk out into the woods. That's true, but if it's and February and it's 20 below, that's harder. It's a long winter is yeah, all. but you just bundle up, <laughs> which I did. I did a lot. I, I actually found much greater solace escaping out into the woods than I did escaping onto the streets yeah. of the city because... I grew up in a bad neighborhood. I was a small little blonde kid, blonde white kid in a bad neighborhood. And so it was not a picnic Yeah, walking the streets. I mean, I, I had basically had my, my radar on, you know, searching out for gangs yeah. who were lurking around. You never knew what you'd encounter. And I was always a t- I was a, I didn't have any friends, or I'd have I have one friend, because I moved around so much. We moved around all over this like ten square block area, and I, and it's amazing. Within a ten square block area, I went to three different schools, mm. no, four different schools, maybe even five different schools. I mean, that's how dense New York City is, Manhattan is, yeah, population wise, and how disruptive life can be. In that way. So yeah. moving around from school to school, year after year, mm. I didn't establish, I had one friend who I didn't actually go to school with through all of that. And, and I'd make new friends, like I'd have one friend in each new place. One friend is sometimes enough. Sometimes. But for me, I don't think it quite balanced out my mother. Right. Where were you in the city? Lower East Side. 
you knew it? Yeah. This was in the 60s? How low? Where? Between Houston Street and 10th Street, between like Avenue A and 3rd Avenue. Mm. Was there a song that you associate with that neighborhood? Mm, no. Oh. There's so many good ones to choose from, I would think. But remember that movie? Um, there was a movie with uh, Madonna and um, Suzanne Arquette or something. Oh, yeah. Arquette. I mean, I can see, I can picture that the, movie, the, that the, movie was uh, set, the VHS cover. That movie was set in the Lower East Side uh. after I had left. So um, a song from there could fit. Yeah. But we're digressing into Tonio Land. I, the Bee Gees, would that be wrong? Bee Gees were big because yeah. my mother loved the Bee Gees. And back when I was dealing with my mother as a child, um, this was before the disco Bee Gees. Right. This was the, the sad sack Bee Gees. <laughs> she, she was in love with this song because she was miserable about her life. She felt like her life was just a complete disaster. And it was this, I'm thinking, what is the song? Um, something about a joke where everybody started, everybody laughed and I started to cry. Oh, yeah, I know, yeah, you know, I know what song? you mean. Yeah. That was like the soundtrack yeah. of her life. Yeah. And, of course, whenever I was around her... That spilled over onto me. Yeah. I'm a big Bee Gees fan. Anyway, yeah, it, they're, they're very good. Have you seen there's a documentary with the Bee Gees? It's one of the happiest two hours I've spent in a very long time. No. Yeah. Anyway, guess what? Time's up. Time's up. Oh, my God. But I love getting to hang out with you and seeing you and talking with you we definitely need to do this again absolutely i'm in, in i live some seven minutes shape. from here
nothing I can do A total eclipse of the heart Once upon a time there was light in my life But now there's only love in the dark Nothing I can say A total eclipse of the heart
And that's it for this Magical Mystery Tour. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, take good care of yourselves and each other.